The Alec Murdoch trial has begun. Maybe this will help make changes in New York's weak criminal justice system. Maybe New Yorkers on subways should do what the subway rider in Chicago did when he was getting robbed. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. You know the drill. Subscribe if you have not. Like if you do. Hit that little bell for notifications and leave me a message below. Remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps just simply by searching Crime Talk. And remember, before we get started, we have to support the people that support Crime Talk. So please go to crimetalksearch.com. Hit the link below. When you go there, what's going to happen? It's going to take you to a background subscription service. And when you sign up for that background subscription service, you're going to be able to do as many background searches as you desire while you have that subscription. And remember, you can cancel at any time. And when you get that search done, and it is literally done while you wait, a report is emailed to you, and it's going to give you information as to whether somebody has a criminal history. Are they on one of those registries, if you know what I mean? Um, are they divorced? Are they married? Do they have judgments against them, tax liens, anything along those lines? Have they had their professional licenses suspended? All the types of things that may show up on that report. So go to crimetalksearch.com. You'll be happy you did. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for January 23rd, 2023. First on the docket, the trial of Alec Murdoch has begun today. And we're obviously going to bring you the latest. We are bringing it to you live. Now, unfortunately, the court is not allowing cameras during the jury selection process, uh, except for the uh, big state seal uh, that goes be, uh, behind the court. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the case, Alec Murdoch uh, is uh, facing uh, charges in a long list of uh, criminal and civil allegations. Now, this is the trial, the two counts of homicide, plus a sundry of other charges related to the death of his wife, Maggie, and their son, Paul, which goes back to June 7th of 2021. Now, these deaths were kind of the uh, beginning of the end for Alec Murdoch and the uh, family dynasty that took place down there in the low country of South Carolina for about the last 100 years. Now, since the death of Maggie and Paul, old Alec Murdoch has been disbarred and has been linked to several other deaths in the community. Of course, we'll give him the presumption of innocence, all of those, right? Unless and until a jury of his peers convicts him or whether he is uh, found guilty by a plea of guilty in a court of law. So old Alec Murdoch showed up to court today. Obviously, he's in custody but he's wearing his uh, white button-down shirt and some gray slacks, and he vehemently denies any involvement in the death of his wife and son. He does face up to life in prison without parole and a minimum of 30 years if he's convicted. Now, jury selection is supposed to last several days, and if you've been listening to it, it sounds like it is gonna take more than just a couple of days. Why, you may ask? Well, as we were talking about on the show, this is the most important part of the trial. And if you were listening to the jury selection, they have various panels because they have called in some 900 jurors. And they're excusing a lot of jurors when they asked, who here has heard anything about this case? Please stand up. And they're going to talk to those individuals 
in chambers to see whether they believe that they can be fair and impartial. There were some jurors that when asked, you've heard something about this case, have you already formed an opinion about this case? And the jurors stood up, they were immediately excused. And so since this is a relatively small community, you know, they're going to have to go through a lot of jurors. But like I have said, regardless of how much publicity a case has received, there were in fact a few jurors that had not heard anything about this case as of yet. And I assure you, they are going home this evening and will be Googling everything about Alec Murdoch. But the way things are going, like I said, we're going to bring you gavel to gavel uh, coverage. Uh, I would expect maybe a jury selected by Wednesday, maybe, hopefully, maybe a little sooner, probably by Wednesday, maybe opening statements if we're lucky midday on uh, Wednesday, but my guess is maybe Thursday. I'm thinking Thursday. You just never know how long it's going to take. You don't know how long it's going to take in chambers to do that. And as we saw today, the judge was very strict. He told the jurors after taking a lunch break to be back at approximately 2.30. He admonished the jurors, three of them, for not being back on time. He basically said, it's a court order. It's not a suggestion. Please comply. Somehow, I don't think if those jurors remain, they will... uh, take the court's order to return at any time as a mere suggestion. I think this trial, because I've said it from the beginning when the whole Mallory Beach accident took place where uh, Paul was driving the boat and Mallory Beach uh, passed away when the boat hit the bridge, just something didn't seem right. I've been following this case for a long time. And then on June 7th of 2021, obviously near the dog kennels on the 1700 acre hunting property, of uh, the Murdochs, uh, Paul and Maggie were were gunned down and prosecutors say that uh, Paul Murdoch used a shotgun, removed the better part of uh, his son's uh, skull, uh, which was severed allegedly from the body. And uh, Maggie was uh, shot several times, at least five times, including in the back and in the head. And she died about 30 yards from her son. The prosecutor suggests that that, uh, Paul and uh, Maggie were killed because of mounting debts and the fear that his decade-long scheme of embezzling client funds as well as funds from his law firm was going to be exposed. Now, Murdoch alleges that he found his wife and son's deceased bodies at about 10.06 p.m. when he placed a hysterical 911 call to the police. And um, he basically says that he has an alibi that he was visiting his ailing mother at the town nearby in an assisted living center. Alec Murdoch has a uh, uh, remaining son, Buster, who it's unclear, but it doesn't look like he's really supporting his father because, well, somewhat a lot of the evidence tends to show that maybe he may have had something to do with it. Well, needless to say, like I said, uh, and the Murdochs had enormous uh, power, uh, both political as well as in the Uh, low country because they had four generations, four generations served as prosecutor and solicitor overseeing five counties there on the southern tip of the state. Now that family influence, like I said, began to uh, crumble, so to speak, when Paul Murdoch was accused of slamming his father's boat into the pilings of the bridge in Beaufort, South Carolina, when Mallory Beach uh, passed away. There were four other people that were injured 
and that triggered a series of lawsuits that uh, spotlighted Alex's alleged crooked financial dealings. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division has reopened investigations into the mysterious 2015 death of Buster's classmate, Stephen Smith, with whom Buster was uh, rumored to have been uh, close with. So, like I said, keep joining us. We'll be bringing you live coverage from gavel to gavel for the Murdoch case. (laughs) We'll give them the presumption of innocence. Let me know in the court of public opinion whether what we know thus far, guilty or not guilty. But keep an open mind. I would urge you to keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. Let's pretend we're jurors on the case and say we're not going to consider anything, only what is considered in court. What should be considered is what is admitted in court. Let's think of it that way. All right. Now, keeping on the uh, jury theme, there was a juror who skipped a return court appearance to be considered as a juror in the trial of rapper Young Thug. Well, guess what? That juror has been ordered to write a 30-page essay focusing on the history of jury service in Georgia. Now, the woman, only identified as juror number 64, had traveled to the Dominican Republic for business instead of returning to criminal court in Fulton County, Georgia, to be considered as a juror. Well, the Fulton County Superior Court Chief Judge Earl Granville ordered the woman to write the essay with 10 primary sources and 10 secondary sources and to submit that report within three weeks. It must be written in the APA style, which is often used for academic, uh, uh, you know, reports that are turned in for school. And uh, he's going to have uh, software to make sure that the uh, paper is not plagiarized. Now, Granville said he wanted the focus to be on the history because years ago that people that looked like us, he said, couldn't serve on juries. It was prohibited. Both the chief judge, Judge Glanville, and the juror are black. Now, the woman was under consideration to serve as a juror for a racketeering trial involving Young Thug and other alleged members of the Young Slim Life Gang. Prosecutors alleged that the gang committed murders, armed robberies, and assaults. The potential juror told Judge Glanville that she sent jury service a copy of her travel itinerary after her first trip to court as a potential juror. And she said, I didn't really know I was in violation until the sheriff showed up. That's right. If you don't show up for jury service, you show up late, you can be held in contempt. And a 30-page paper is a lot better than 30 days in jail indeed. And remember, the criminal justice system can't work without our citizens showing up to serve. Next on the docket, soft on crime in New York. Another story, three teenagers badly beat a news weatherman by the name of Adam Klotz on the New York City subway. And guess what? They've been released without any charges. Now, people became upset after they discovered the suspects, who are 15 and uh, ages of 17 as well, will not face a criminal investigation, with one asking, how can somebody feel safe in that city? The handling of this case has added a little more criticism to the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who is frequently accused of being too woke and soft on crime since he took over the role as district attorney back in November of 2021. And others have taken aim at the uh, mayor, Eric Adams, who one user on uh, the uh, social media sites 
referred to as an empty suit, adding that living in the city is simply not safe. Now, Klotz was left with a black eye and bruised ribs because he intercepted a group of teenagers on a subway at about 1.15 a.m. on a Sunday morning after they were reportedly trying to set an older man's hair on fire. Yeah, but we're just going to let them walk. They're trying to set somebody's hair on fire. This Mr. Klotz intervenes and gets a good old-fashioned butt kicking, and these kids get off basically scot-free. Are you kidding me? Well, the weatherman appeared, like I said, bruised and bloodied in an Instagram post that he put up on Sunday, and a spokesperson for the New York Police Department confirmed that the two 15-year-old men and one 17-year-old had been arrested but were released to their guardians. Maybe someone would want to ask their guardians why was a 15- and 17-year-old out at 1 a.m. in the morning. Just saying, not judging. Okay, maybe a little bit, but seriously. Now, this comes after the district attorney Bragg came under fire just last week for offering a plea deal to a man accused of an anti-Semitic attack who said he would do it again. Bragg was elected the DA's office back in November of 2021 and led with the soft on crime approach using prison as a last resort. He campaigned on the promise of criminal justice reform and issued a controversial day one memo after assuming office that said he would only seek prison time in the most severe cases. That same month that Bragg took office, career criminal William Rowland, who faced only misdemeanor charges for threatening a store worker with a knife, was told by a judge that he should feel lucky because of Bragg's new policies. The DA's uh, changes called on prosecutors to ditch felony armed robbery charges and instead charge the suspects here with a petty larceny, a mere misdemeanor, which carries a maximum of one year in jail, even with a weapon that's involved. You gotta love, you gotta love that. Um, what we've said, how many times have we said it? You get what you tolerate. You also get the government you deserve. So the New Yorkers may not feel safe, but guess what? You voted the guy in. And, you know, we have the same problem here. I went to a dinner last week and people were shocked and appalled at the state of our city, the crime, the homelessness that is taking place down there. People literally uh, accosting people to to uh, get money from them and they're not doing anything about it. It's a revolving door. And these are pretty connected people, unlike me. I was the most insignificant person in the room, but they all wanted to know what you would do to clean things up. I said, well, you get more of what you tolerate. And they were surprised at how simple the solution was. Anyway, maybe the people in New York should do what this guy in Chicago did. So the Chicago police are saying that Saturday, a man with a valid license, concealed carry permit, used his gun to shoot a man who allegedly attempted to rob him while he was riding a CTA Green Line train. Now, the aggressor, the robber, the aggravated robber, pulled out a gun and attempted to rob the 25-year-old male. The victim was having nothing to do with that. And he fired. And he hit the robber, aggravated robbery guy fired as well, but the victim was not hit. Only the guy doing the robbing got hit in the leg. 
The robber was transported to the Mount Sinai Hospital and was initially reported to be in fair condition. And like I said, didn't turn out so well when the soon-to-be victim kind of flipped the script and pulled out his own weapon and a little bit of exchange of gunfire. Needless to say, the robber is under investigation for aggravated robbery, and the victim does hold a concealed carry license. No mention of whether the criminal had a valid concealed carry license. Somehow I'm guessing he's prohibited from possessing a firearm in this particular situation, but we don't really know that. And, you know, frankly, criminals don't have guns in Chicago. <laughs> All right, that's, that's just the storyline. That's just the storyline. Um, of course they do. Everybody knows it. Don't become a victim, ladies and gentlemen. Protect yourself. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Elizabeth Ann Sherlock Mason. All she wanted was a little bit of fun. It's almost most people can ask for, right? Well, apparently a chilly Friday evening on January 17th, Miss Sherlock Mason was planning to do something fun. She wanted her significant other to take her to a local gentleman's club. However, before hitting up the entertainment and libations, she first wanted the evening to kick off with one of her favorite establishments. That's right, going to the Naughty Parrot. This is a local waterfront bar and grill and was a logical place to begin the festivities. And according to the arrest report, Miss Sherlock Mason was adamant about getting the party started there first. Now, her alleged accomplice told the deputies that Miss Sherlock Mason began ordering drinks as soon as they arrived and became verbally abusive to the staff. Finally, when it became apparent that she was, well, intoxicated, he attempted to persuade Sherlock Mason to leave the bar. When he said, we should leave, Sherlock Mason jumped into action to save her celebration and preserve her evening. That's right. Still seated at a high top table, she grabbed the man by the neck and began applying pressure. In fight or flight mode, her now opponent grabbed her wrist with both hands, leaving him unsuspectedly vulnerable. With no obstructions, Miss Sherlock Mason wound her leg up and unloaded a punt right between her partner's belt. The effort of unleashing the groin shot caused Elizabeth to tumble out of her stool and onto the floor while her victim gathered himself. Now, Miss Sherlock Mason would then abscond to the parking lot to find a ride away from the chaos that she had left behind and created. And the sheriff's office arrived about 10.45 p.m. After talking to the witnesses and finding a strong odor of alcohol emanating from Miss Sherlock Mason, she was arrested and charged with battery on someone 65 years or older. See, we are equal opportunity here. It's not just young, dumb criminals. You can be old and dumb and make it to the wall of fame to be a dumb criminal here on Crime Talk. All right, that's all we have for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a wonderful day, not just a great day. And remember to follow us every day while we cover the Alec Murdoch trial.